You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Chris Bennett, and I help connect businesses with tech freelancers, and I'm your host. Ian, yeah, we'll go, we'll go to you. Ian, give us an introduction to yourself. Okay. Uh, hey, guys, I'm Ian. I uh, am an American. I've been living here in Sweden uh coming on 10 years. Um, I've been working at, you know, different tech companies here in Stockholm, um, uh, worked for five years at, at, at Spotify um, on, you know, consumer products there. Uh, and then uh, the last five years I've been at iZettel, um, working on our, our POS product um, and building POS software. I have two uh, wonderful kids um and i live here in central stockholm and absolutely love it nice nice to be with you guys love that ian right and paolo hi everyone my name is paolo i'm portuguese i moved to sweden seven years ago or almost seven years ago to join klarna and i'm still here uh working for klarna after seven years i joined as a software engineer and more or less three years ago I changed to the engineering manager uh, role. So uh, currently I'm working uh, in the new markets team where basically we try to bring Klarna to new markets. It's not so much about building new products, but more about bringing existing products to new markets. Uh, Before Klarna, uh, I worked almost 10 years uh, as a consultant for a Portuguese company called Critical Software where I had the opportunity to travel a bit. So I lived uh, in the UK in a very, very known city called Yeovil, but most likely no one knows about it. No, uh, um, no one it's, knows in, it's in the middle of the Somerset, uh, close to Stonehenge. Uh, uh, I also lived in Mozambique and yeah, now I'm here in Sweden. And nice, really nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Perfect. Cheers, Paolo. Uh, and uh, Babis? Uh, hey, guys. Uh, my name is Babis Kalpakas. Um, I, I, I'm born and raised in Sweden, uh, but I have Greek heritage. Uh, my, my parents met in Sweden back in the 60s, actually. Uh, I've been in the IT industry for 20 years. I would say, uh, started back in 1999, the golden era of IT, start building the embryos of the modern internet banking. That's what I usually say. So I was a developer for about, I guess, uh, eight years. And the last 12 years have been in some kind of leadership position, either as a team lead, scrum master, uh, and now lately at Leo Vegas, where I've been for three years now as a development manager for leovex.com. Uh, besides that, I've worked in this gaming industry for about seven years. Besides that, a lot of years in banking. <clears throat> um, I'm actually a consultant back in the days. I was a consultant for about 70 years of out of my 20. So these last three years are the only years I've basically been an employee at a company. Uh, Besides that, uh, uh, I also had a very short career as a basketball player uh, in Sweden. Um, I love basketball; it's my basically my passion. Besides my work, of course, 
uh, and I enjoy every minute every of watching a basketball game, either Euroleague or NBA. Quick one, Babis, what's, what's your team? Uh, in the NBA, I follow right now the Milwaukee Bucks. Why? Because the MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, plays there. And I actually <laughs> been to Milwaukee once, and therefore Milwaukee is my team now. But I used to be, I used to be a Chicago Bulls fan, naturally, because I, I, was, uh, I was, was raised during the 90s and the Michael Jordan era. So oh, he's yeah. the GOAT. He's the GOAT. There's no question about that. The Greek heritage does allow for you to only support it does, one unfortunately. So <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks of all the teams, yeah, I know. But you know what? I'm rooting but, for those guys right now. Perfect. I don't think they're going to win anything. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're nearly team. Um, and finally, Camille. Thank you. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Camille Hakim. i am uh, been working in the tech industry for uh, quite a number of years now. Uh, I've held uh, different uh, role titles. I've been a developer, senior developer. I've been a manager, senior manager. Currently, I'm the CTO here at Record Union. Um, it's a job I really, really like. Uh, it's very uh, fulfilling, so to speak. Um, so, Fun facts about me, uh, I've built racing drones. Uh, this was super fun, uh, super quirky. Uh, I probably tried every sport you can imagine, uh, almost. And uh, I'm raised and born here in Stockholm. Um, so if you need to know anything about Stockholm, you can always ask me. <laughs> so if you played every sport, you're probably playing paddle tennis if you're in Stockholm at the minute. Yeah, like everyone else. I, I've done that. I've done that. I played yeah. also squash and tennis and badminton, yeah. bouldering. Perfect. Well, thank you all for your introductions. Uh, I'm delighted you're all here. Uh, the topic today is going to be um, discussing around creating autonomous teams in a scaling tech company. Yeah, of which you're all part of and have been part of plenty of these companies. Um, the format, as ever, is I've asked each um, member of the panel to come with a question. We'll be going around the panel, uh, we'll be talking about that question, and the rest of the panel will be giving their inputs. Uh, and we'll hopefully have a good 10, 15 minute discussion in each of these uh, topics and questions. Yeah, uh, we're going to go to Ian's question first, because that looks like the best place to start. Ian's question was, how do we define autonomy and how can a team know when they have they have it? Yeah. So, Ian, just fill out the question. Why do you ask it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot to add. Just that, like, um, let's just say, you know, a team says, you know, hey, there, we have so many company priorities that we're always having to address. Mm. Um, we don't really feel like we have the autonomy as a team, you know. The company is deciding everything we we are just executing, um, which could be a real world example, right? Uh, so, so how do how do we how should we think about autonomy in, in teams? Um, because of course, company priorities aren't going away, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's obviously nuances there, and and so how how should a team know? That they that they have the autonomy, that right level of kind of balance uh, between uh, what the company is telling them to do and what they're working on every day, et cetera. Right. Okay. Who wants to go first? Yeah. Let's go, um, Camille. Yes. So uh, actually, I think this is a a very good question because it's sort of you have to 
dig a little bit on what autonomy actually means. So I think here there's two dim dimensions. One is uh, cross-functionality could also be something that uh, means that you are autonomous, but because you can do everything yourself. But for me, the key part of an autonomous organization is being able to take, say, 95% of all the decisions on your own within the team, because all the knowledge is centered in the team. Uh, and then there has to be other frameworks to sort of disconnect that from sort of uh, top-down uh, management. Uh, maybe you have uh, OKRs or maybe you have some other sort of goal measurements. Um, then the team can always look where do we need to go as a company and take decisions accordingly. And this works obviously better if the team itself has ownership of whatever part of the user journey that they, they can own. Um, so that's that's sort of how I think about it. Yeah. What's your, what's your thoughts, Paolo? So I mean, here uh, this is kind of a tough topic, right? Because when you you discuss autonomy, uh, normally this also means different things for different people, right? So if you ask the team leader, normally they have a vision of what autonomy means, uh, and to to continue on the topic or how the question was introduced, when we start to get a lot of things from the side, means that we are no longer focusing on our mission or on delivering on our vision. And all of a sudden, we maybe um, start delivering things that are more important for others. And I think that's when, for me, that's one of the signs where I realized, like, OK, maybe our team is losing autonomy because we are diverging from our main mission. Um, so we get all these things from the side, uh, and now someone is defining our priorities for us. Mm. And this is what I've seen. This is more from, or how I see this is more from a product perspective. But from an engineering perspective, sometimes it's about uh, the autonomy that we have in the team to decide the, the technologies that we are going to use, uh, or the dependencies that we might have on other teams um, to deliver what we need to deliver. So, like, let's say if we are new, if we don't have this full uh, DevOps setup where we 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 build it, we run it, we deploy it, we monitor it, um, then you might end up in this situation where all the things start piling up, and you can't deliver, or you, you can't get um, basically your deliverables to your customers, um, and that's when I think it's important for us to assess as a team. How do we see us as an autonomous team? What does that mean for us as a team? And then try to keep as close as possible to that definition um, so, so that we, we, we can deliver on our own mission. So, so just, just to confirm that, Pellet, so you're saying there's two types of autonomy, one in terms of the mission of the team and then one in terms of what tech you're going to be using within that team. Yeah, I mean, there, there are several dimensions when it comes to autonomy. Um, it, it's it's not just a single definition. And when you ask what autonomy means um, for different people, you mm. normally get different answers. So that's why I think it's really important for each team to come out with their definition, have this sort of agreement, what does autonomy means for us? Uh, and then try to, I don't know, in the retros or in the different team um, retrospectives, try to see, okay, how are we diverging from what we think we should be doing? 
Okay. Babis, what's kind of your thoughts around this? What defining autonomy? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think to some level, I agree already what you guys said, that key here, I think, is important to understand what autonomy means for everybody. I'm not... I'm okay, actually, with 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 uh, sometimes when you have a lot of priorities to do and you have a product that you want to uh, move forward, that there are people responsible in the company to make sure that the priority for a product is set. We, we probably cannot avoid that, and I think that would be very, very stupid to avoid. We're probably doing the most important things first, right? Um, and and And... So that's one. And then I'm going back to what maybe the, to Paolo said that about, for me, maybe autonomy is more about, okay, here's my frames and goals. Here's the clarity that I have with our common you know, passion or vision. And, and you just, you, you create autonomy with what you, with your own frames and goals. Uh, not necessarily have to be a full uh, cross-functional team. You know, you, you might be just being served uh, functionality from a, from a, from a backend platform. And therefore, you need to adjust you autonomously on here's what we have available and here's how we deliver the value that we want. Um, and and especially, I think, it's super important when you come come to a scale-up where you basically have a lot of things to do and you necessarily have very, very few teams that can do that. Uh, so for me, autonomy is more about you know trust of the teams, mm. uh, the, the be let, letting them be the experts in the area they are, and, and I'm okay with with you know providing them them or you know uh, being a larger organization that we have people that are skilled, especially understanding the the, the product increment that we want to build, and mm. uh, not in the sense of here's a blueprint or here is here is uh, you know what you should do, but the classic you know. Uh, take across the river, you know that kind of that the hypothesis that you want to serve. But naturally, you want the experts to be able to solve the hypothesis you want to build. How are you going to build it? End of the day, has to be the team responsibility. Mm. What you need to build, what you need to build, not necessarily always the team responsibility. Sometimes you need to have the experts, the UX, the discovery people that say this is what we should do. Mm. Could could we could we say that you know autonomy is is more of a spectrum than it is either mm. like yeah. having oh, yeah. it or not having oh, yeah. it? It's, oh, yeah. it's sort of oh, yeah. a spectrum here, um, and it's it's sort of the ability to govern yourself. Uh, and so uh, you know whether that's tech, you know using the the technology that you want to use, possibly. Although that's a whole other conversation in companies too. <laughs> sure. Right? Yes. Um, uh, and then, you know, companies just go say, tough luck. I mean, that's just the way it is for the better of the company. But I guess when you look at, you know, it, it's a spectrum because when you look at uh, uh, that spectrum, then you go, okay, well, we don't, maybe we don't have those choices as well, but we still have autonomy in other respects. Mm-hmm. Um, we can govern ourselves in many, many other ways. And then, oh, look, we have uh, priorities that are affecting us in the company. And those sometimes come in waves too, right? Sometimes they affect you more than at other times. And it might feel like you're losing your autonomy a little bit at that time, right? So it's kind of this fluctuating event happening across the spectrum. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, just add to that. Sorry for interrupting you. Just add to that. I mean, I'm probably you, you, you're, you're, you're a Klarna. You have a, probably you have a license to run a bank. 
So, so Leo Vegas has a license to, to run a gaming company. And coming back to what you said, uh, Ian, no end of the day, there are some c- compliance requirements put in that way that has to be there. And there's very, very wiggle room of what you can do with that when it comes to deadlines and, and requirements and that you need to have that button showing on the page. That's it. Then, of course, your autonomy then becomes, of okay, how do we, what's the best user flow, user experience, make sure that you interact with this, this piece of piece of uh, code uh, feature in the right way. So, so there are ways that you basically you lose autonomy by just, you know, being served sometimes. But sorry, guys, but this is something we just need to do. But I, uh, I would almost uh, argue that uh, you can view that from a slightly different lens. So the way I look at autonomy is about the autonomy to be able to deliver customer value because you should always start from the customer, right? Uh, it doesn't matter if it's uh, .NET, Java or PHP or whatever you do in the background. Like, that's kind of irrelevant for your customers. So being autonomous in delivering to your customers is what truly matters in the end of the day. And then uh, maybe in your example, because I, I think it's a very uh, exciting way to look at it. If you have plenty of autonomous teams, some teams, will have their customers internally. So suppose there's a new compliance rule, maybe they own that compliance rule and sort of fixes that for the rest of the teams, thus unlocking you to focus even more on your uh, external customer. Um, So that's Mm. a different way of looking at it. And I I, I think that is what's truly important here. so do you think, Camille, on that note, do you think you have it when you have the ability to directly, like, completely look after your customer completely yeah. in, the, in whatever way you think is best for them? Uh, absolutely, because the uh, the way to look at it, I mean, quite often companies grow. As you grow, you become more people. More people mean more teams. So then at some point you need to decide how do we split uh, the how do we split the product? Do we do it component-wise? That's going to be rather painful. Or you can say the autonomy that we're going to create is going to be around different steps of the user journey. Mm. Because then you can own uh, any KPIs related to that. You can own the understanding of what the customer goes through in that step end-to-end, hopefully. Uh, and then you can hand it over to the next team. So that's a better way of dividing it, I would say. We're basically saying though here that like to Ian's point of the scale, mm. that e- whichever company you're in has that limit of autonomy. Yeah, if you're in a bank, there's only a certain limit you can get to, and maybe that's the limit. If you're on the the best autonomous autonomy that you can have within a company, then you are autonomous. But that autonomy might be different. Record Union is Izetel, it is a Leo Vegas, then it is a Klarna. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, it's going to look different in a very big company contra uh, a smaller company. Mm. Um, uh, mm. Damn it, I lost my point. Uh, yes. So uh, no, I forgot. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I think I think with some. Ian, does that answer your question, or is there any any other kind of further points you'd like to add? No, no, I think that answers it. I mean, it's a, it's a spectrum. It's, it's not binary and most likely every team has some elements of it. And what we're trying to do is sort of maximize that as much as we can as leaders and companies to, to get the best results from our teams. Yeah, I stick to that.
Nicely, no, summed, nicely summed up. We're all drinking water to it as well. So that's a shame. <laughs> yeah. we need to fly everybody, everybody took a drink of water. Oh, it sounds better on the podcast when we say, yeah. oh, we'll drink that. Cheers. Uh, <laughs> everyone's got a bottle of water. It's not as good yeah. as it sounds. Uh, but, uh, oh, go on. Yeah, no. So I, actually, I, I remember what I was going to say. So mm-hmm. um, when you look at autonomy, as a, a company grows, uh, I mean, autonomy is just part of what makes it very successful. You also need to be able to think about how do we put goals for our organization in such a way that they can be adopted locally, that is having a, a bottom-up uh, approach rather than a top-down. Uh, that is what's going to make it very, very easy. Or, very easy. As a company grows, you can still sort of retain being able to talk about goals and outcome over a course of a year where uh, clusters of teams or teams in particular can think about what does that mean for us in our autonomy. So I, I think that's an interesting aspect as well. Okay, so um, we'll move on to the next point. Um, Paolo, uh, your question was simply what are the main barriers to team autonomy? So it's good that we've not defined autonomy yet. <laughs> yeah. So in, in, I suppose in everyone's idea of autonomy, yeah, just just fill it out, Paolo. Can you talk about some of the barriers you've experienced or what was your context about and asking the question? So a little bit of background. So let, let's assume that as a team, we have defined our vision, we have a clear mission, and now we are about to execute on that. Um, so what are the main signs that you normally find that might mean, oops, we are starting to lose our autonomy? Um, so is it, I, I don't want to jump into the answer, so I'll, I'll probably leave I, it open. You don't want to give it away. <laughs> no, I'll probably leave it open. I mean, of course I have some uh, signs that I monitor, but I'm really curious to see how others uh, oh, okay, try let, to. Let's, let's kick it off with Babis. Yeah. Um, what are the barriers? So when you've got an autonomous team, what are the barriers towards getting that autonomy that you see? Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I want to hear if Paolo has an answer to this. <laughs> no, I, I don't have an answer. I just can share my experience. Okay, um, I was about to say that, that you know, I, th- I think it's go back to actually what Ian said as well, and you know the, the, the spectrum it right. Um, I was about to say that you probably don't have autonomy. You, you, you lose autonomy when you don't have a passion. I would say you mentioned that you do have a passion, right? When you don't have a passion, you're definitely a high meaning. Then, then you definitely lost, right? Uh, you don't have a very steer- uh, simple steering, saying that okay, here are our main objectives: what, why we do things what we do and how we do things. Imagine saying that, oh, our solutions need to be scalable because we have to, in our case, for example, we need to support a multi-brand strategy that the company has. Uh, If you don't have clear frames and goals for what autonomy is, if you don't have clarity (laughs) of what you're supposed to do, if you don't have transparency, what you have, if you don't, missing that, then you don't have autonomy. I, it's like I kind of <laughs> so, so if you, I, I believe that I, I, if you have those five things that you just mentioned, you probably most likely have the perfect you have an um, incubation of being autonomous, I'll mm. say. But by losing a couple of those, then you automatically most likely you will lose 
your autonomy. In, in your role at the minute, Babies, is there is there any one example that comes up at the minute that is a classic example of losing autonomy? Yeah, when you expected to have it. Yeah, maybe not even in this role, maybe in obviously being a consultant, you've been in plenty of roles. So you think you've got a version of autonomy and this always happens. Is there anything that you can come up with? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, one ex clear example is is basically when you're, you're supposed to just press the, the, the release button <laughs> and someone comes and says, why are we doing this? You know, it's only like blocks here and like, uh, you know, where were you when we discussed it? This is, you know, we, our responsibility to deliver something production. And you suddenly uh, get a toll gate that says, mm, no, mm -hmm. you know, why did you agree on this? And, and that's suddenly what really like, most of the things like, oh, you know, what happened here? So, so uh, then you probably lost, you, along the way, somewhere lost transparency, most likely, and, and, and uh, uh, clarity. Right, mm. and therefore you end up in a situation where somebody needs to go in and say, mm, "What are you guys doing here? Why are you releasing this piece of code?" Right. So would you that's, say that's, that's that's about trust as well? Like, yes. Uh, all of a sudden, oh boy, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean. Yeah. Oh, there's three things, definitely three things that that could take autonomy a bit away from a team, and that is definitely trust. You need to have the trust. We talk about you need to have the courage, and you need to have the curiosity. Uh, to become aut autonomous. If you don't have those three, you know, attitudes, I would say, they most likely, that's the key. Oh, I mean, Paolo, I think you spot on there. Trust, yeah. end of the day, is the foundation maybe of autonomy. Well, then could we, like, then, like, is part of the answer to that, that, mm -hmm. like, the teams themselves um, not acting as teams can take their own autonomy away in that way, where they're, like, hey, like, we got five different individuals here that are kind of like not working as a team. And then all of a sudden, really like what's an autonomous team? You're not a team at all. Right. Mm. I think that's a big challenge in, in our industry actually, is that getting teams to really work as teams. Um, and uh, so I really like that. I really liked your your insight there around like trust and things like that, because that's a big part within teams, too, yes. as well as outside of teams. Um, and then the only thing I would add to that is also uh, having a compass. You kind of like uh, also touched upon it. But, you know, uh, having a, a, a compass towards where you're going um, in order to make impact. Um, but but again, you know, um, maybe um maybe some teams i'm just just saying that maybe some teams as well though have the perspective of you know that's that's for somebody else to, like an analyst to help give us this information you know what i mean and then i would go wait a minute but but you guys can you're smart people you can you can probably solve that mm -hmm. right so uh so there, there's there's uh there's also that element of um, you know, uh, we don't have autonomous, we're not autonomous because people from the outside aren't giving us the ability to be autonomous. And that's an interesting equation there, right? It's like, wait, a, but you, maybe you can actually do, solve this yourself. Hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and, just, and just, sorry, just one thing when you just mentioned about, you know, within the team, I mean, typical example from, from previous uh, work in country is like when you suddenly put a tester, a QA in a team, right? Mm -hmm. Suddenly the, 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 the to test <laughs> Jira flow just stops because, oh, 
you suddenly have one guy or one girl that can do the testing and therefore, you know, development says, well, you know, uh, let, let that person do that. Controversy mm. say what you said, Ian, of, okay, let's autonomy, most like, let's try to solve this together, right? Mm. Um, Camille? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I think you're all super spot on and I, I so much agree with that in the end of the day, for autonomy to work, it's about trust because in in a way you are delegating parts of uh, your company, part of your product, uh, part of your uh, customer base to a certain team and saying, look, we trust you in making the best possible decisions to do this. Uh, and then everything else like the mission or the vision statement, that's that's also fantastic, but that is what sort of gives the team a strength. But I would say it's, it starts with trust. Without trust, you're you're not going to get anywhere. Um, what, 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 and just what, Camille, what 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 are the barriers though? Yeah, what what are so, the so you've obviously if you've not got given yeah. trust, yeah, is is that the main one that you see? That's is the main barrier. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So I think uh, there are sort of a few dimensions here. To if you're not delegating trust, you mm. don't have an organization that can uh, sort of uh, blossom uh, in autonomy because then, then it's basically going to be top-down management. There's not going to be a point for you to even try to be autonomous because you're just waiting for someone to come and tell you, hey, look, sales, they need this, uh, and it needs to be done yesterday. Uh, or or this, uh, this silo, it needs that. And then it's very, very difficult to sort of start becoming because it it's, it's like a new muscle. You, re you really need to exercise it to get strong and good at autonomy and to be able to trust yourself as a team as well so and and also to um ian's point of uh but uh, if you're de-referring uh to other parts of the company saying we can't take this decision it's it's too big for us or whatever then maybe that's also a sign of uh, an autonomy that could get even better by looking at how cross-functional teams are so maybe the team needs an analyst in that case so that the team never has to be blocked and wait on on other parts of the organization to be able to execute on their uh, idea so Camille, you're, you're you're about to verge on answering your own question in the final segment <laughs> yeah, of so. this podcast please Camille we want listeners to listen Stop to the there. whole thing oh, so eager. yeah uh, anyway I don't know why I've been answering pa Paolo's got all the answers and he's he's going to tell us now go on I'll get my pen out. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I wanted to disagree, but uh, I, I think I can't. Uh, I think trust <laughs> is the most important thing for, for teams' autonomy. And we, when we don't have that, then as a team, for sure, we, we won't have autonomy. Um, but for me also, how I see this happening, because it's very difficult to know. Do they trust us? Yes or no? I mean, it's not a binary answer as well. And the signs that I normally see as the signs that maybe we are losing their trust is things like all of a sudden um, you, you get this direction coming from outside the team. So someone is taking the decision for you, what should be the next thing that you, you work, um, what are the things that are most important for you. Um, and another topic that I think that's also relevant, and it's not related with trust, uh, it's these signs, and I'm going to be very concrete here, it's like when you go to a stand-up and then most of the people say, we are blocked because we depend on this team and we are waiting for them. 
or we are blocked by the other team. And you keep hearing that on a regular basis. For me, that's normally a sign, okay, this team has no autonomy because all the things that they are trying to drive are being blocked by other teams. Um, and for me, this means two things. Either this team probably no longer um, should exist as a team because all of a sudden the mission and vision that we have no longer makes sense from a company perspective. Mm. Uh, or we need to take more accountability and, and basically bring more autonomy to our side. And I've been challenging this every time someone says, oh, we are blocked, we have a dependency, we need to, to them to do this for us. I've been trying to change this mindset. And instead of saying, oh, we have this dependency, I keep saying that, no, we have this opportunity to collaborate with them. Mm. Uh, of course, yeah. this is not an easy one um, because sometimes people don't want to go outside of their comfort zone. Why should I go to the other team's code base and work with them? Right. So this is quite of a challenge, but I'm trying to change that um, yeah. in the teams that I'm working with at the moment. So it's, it's, it's a journey and it's not an easy one. That's an area where I, I've seen kind of a lot uh, in the past and it's never it's not an easy one to, to overcome, I think in general, and it will continue to always be a challenge, but it's like, the the a very common one where okay we're blocked by another team um and i guess that that mentality i guess somehow we need to be pushing you know this 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 probably this definition of autonomous more strongly in our companies it would help that equation right because that really is you you're almost taking away from your own autonomy in the sense of not solving that problem. If, if that's like in your way and, you know, okay, maybe you're not familiar with that backend service so much, but I mean, you could explore it. Right. Or, um, uh, you know, because it, it, that problem's not going away. Right. In exactly. general, I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're, I mean, people, uh, we're, we're always going to have inter interdependencies between teams. We can't avoid that fact. So, but, it, but I agree that challenge exists. Paolo, mm -hmm. has, has that got worse with um, working remotely or has people seen the opportunity that it's easier to speak with people over video call or something? Or have you noticed any difference? No, I, I don't think so, um, mm -hmm. honestly. Um, I mean, of course... Nowadays, it, it's a lot more difficult to, uh, you know, you, you don't have these informal discussions in an easy way. You can't just go to that team area and, and just touch base with them and say, hey, we have this dependency on you. Would you probably help us solving that? But I mean, there are other tools. I mean, we can just go to their Slack channel and raise the question. Uh, uh, and it, it, it's all about collaboration, I, I think. In large-scale uh, environments, I think it's impossible for a single team to be totally autonomous. Uh, and I guess this is a reality that we should all face. Um, even if we, we own this consumer journey from end to end, there's going to be some dependency somewhere. Um, and if that's what we need to do to deliver value to our customers, if we need to go to someone else's code base and create a pull request, um, let's just do it. 
and I mean, these opportunities are also great for us to learn, like, okay, we use this system or this tool. Now that I know a little bit more, I also can bring that knowledge to the team and eventually say, hey, did you know that this tool also allows us to do this and that? Maybe we don't need to do this on our side. We can just use their their, their tool. So, but it, it's a challenge and it's a mindset change as well that um, people, uh, a lot of people here at Klarna already get annoyed when I say this, but they say, oh, yeah. we have a dependency. And I say, no, we have an opportunity to collaborate <laughs> with them. Yeah. And I say, yeah. oh, come on, not again, stop that. <laughs> but uh, I won't give up that easily. Go on, Camille. Yeah, no, so because I, uh, I, we touched on that earlier as well. Like uh, autonomy is probably like this uh, scale, it's not uh, on or off. So, maybe building an autonomous organization is about trying to maximize autonomy mm -hmm. rather than trying to reach full autonomy because that's yeah. I, I don't think you'll ever get there much for the same reason that you are saying mm -hmm. and even in the time when maybe two teams are very interconnected for whatever reason very like blocked by one another then maybe that's much like you say it's an opportunity but maybe it's an opportunity to look at the problem space and see did we slice it the right way or or why is this happening um uh, maybe we could work in a different manner so yeah. yeah it's 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 definitely a scale what we what we've done in that respect is uh, to try to help a little bit is to create you know um areas on top of teams um probably mm -hmm. do the same at Klarna where you know, if teams are working on a similar use case, then then uh, it's better that they're clustered together and have some kind of more formal relationship with each other. And then the hope is, hopefully, that's helping actually with this problem. I haven't really thought about it, but uh, maybe maybe that's helping here. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. It's, we seem to answer more about the first question there. It's quite, you no, know, it's quite interesting though, really useful. Yeah. Uh, Babis, uh, your question was how far can you take software development in a growing tech company without adapting to some kind of scale agile framework, thus losing autonomy? So, Babis, sounds like something's happened to you in the past. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 maybe uh, this is more of a a hot take rather than, than a question from my end. I guess, I guess that that I kind of believe that that a a any agile uh, scale agile framework most likely won't solve your problems. Uh, and, and I build that on. Uh, I, I strongly believe I'm a believer of 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 uh, what we just kind. Of, Talked about trust. I'm a believer of of uh, uh, a strong culture, and and I, I fortunately have experience as a consultant to try to implement scale agile frameworks. Not particularly safe. Any any agile framework. Let's call them scale agile frameworks on companies that don't necessarily have the culture there. And by culture, for me, it means. You know, I, I, what we already kind of discussed, that, you know, the, the higher meaning, the passion, the the uh, the, the, the transparency, or, or even the trust to to to, to work autonomously. Uh, so, so for me, to you know, if you don't have the trust, you don't have the the, the if you don't have the, the culture 
to build uh, development, then you most likely, if a scale Azure framework most likely won't solve your problems. Uh, again, I, I've tried to implement <laughs> scale Azure framework uh, on, on, I'm not, I'm not maybe reveal the, 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 the customer, uh, mm -hmm. definitely a big thing. Uh, and it just, it doesn't really work unless you do have the, 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 the high meaning, the passion of why you do things and uh, also the, the, the best interest for the customer, of course. Okay, so Camille, what do you think about yeah. this question? Yeah, how far can you take software development? Yeah, yeah. without doing and, it. And I, I may, maybe in the, the end of the day, you need to ask yourself, why are we implementing this uh, scalable uh, uh, agile framework on top of anything? Like, what do you want to achieve with that? If you start with that, you can then always go back and think about like, maybe autonomy is a way to organize. And then you're thinking about, but but wait, how do we make sure that everyone's going in the same direction? And then you do that, the safe framework or whatever. Uh, and then you realize maybe maybe that's all about setting goals. Maybe that is what you want to steer on. Maybe safe is talking about output that's just working in the same direction. But the goals are where you want to go. So I think these two topics are very much interconnected. And it's it's difficult to not talk about both as the same, sort of very same topic uh, if you want to uh, make this really efficient. Um, so. mm. Mm. Well, Paolo? Yeah, this one is, is a tough one. Uh, and I don't think one implies the other. Like if you start implementing an agile framework that all of a sudden you start losing autonomy, um, of course, it, it, it will depend on how that framework uh, is implemented. But I don't, honestly, I don't think that one implies the other. Uh, I am not, I don't have a lot of experience with less or safe. Um, I've seen some flavors where we introduce this scrum of scrums. Uh, and then with that, you try to bring alignment between the teams, um, common direction, you try to get everyone rowing the same direction to, to accomplish the same goals. Um, but at least in my experience, uh, I don't think that one implies the other. Uh, but the, of course, it, it depends on how it, it's implemented. And for me, as long as having this extra layer, um, it, it's not if that layer is introduced to put control, that's one thing. But if that layer is introduced to bring alignment for information sharing so that everyone gets access um, to the information they need to take the decisions within their problem space, uh, I think no one is losing autonomy. We are just trying to bring alignment. Um, but I understand that sometimes what happens is slightly different, is that we just put someone in control uh, and in, in big organizations, normally that's someone that moves from PMO uh, and then they all of a sudden appear with the Gantt chart uh, say, telling everyone you need to deliver this on this date or you need to deliver that on that date. Uh, and then the team probably start feeling like, okay, we are losing control. We no longer uh, drive this. Um, are you potentially saying that 
autonomy slightly decreased rather than lost? I mean, as we said before, it, it, this is not a binary. Uh, yeah, one yeah. day you have it and the other you, you don't. But I, I think, again, it depends on how it's implemented. But yeah. I, I think when you introduce this, you might get to this point where every day you get less and less autonomy. And as you get less, the team gets also less motivated to bring that autonomy back uh, because they feel like now we are too far to have control on what we are doing. And then one thing leads to another and, and, and probably at the end of the day, you, you have no autonomy anymore. Ian, what's kind of your thoughts? So looking back on the questions, how far can we take software development in a growing tech company without adapting to some sort of scale agile framework yeah so how far can we take that mm, i don't know I, I i would just uh second paulo's uh input here i, I agreed with what he said and mm. i mean when i think of you know scaled agile framework i think of essentially a, a shared a, a shared uh, language essentially that everybody starts to have in an organization um, and that that shared language is a is a good thing, I think, for uh, that that can contribute to autonomy and contribute to uh, a healthy culture. Um, uh, but um, but yeah, I mean, I do understand that. You know, uh, I mean, would would it be fair to say, uh, Bobby, it's like, what's the difference between what you're saying there and just like? massive replace replace scaled uh, agile framework with just massive companies you know i mean is that the same thing should we equate uh, scaled agile framework and just really large tech companies uh are you saying that you lose autonomy in really large tech companies basically it, or uh, is there something specific about an agile framework that you're saying is is contributing to this this issue i i what i want my take on this is that my hot take, you know, what I've, maybe it's, again, it's not a question, is that I, I think if I ask my own question, how far can you take software development in a growing tech company without adapting to the same kind of, some kind of agile framework, I would say you can take it all the way. Okay. So, so size, it is for me, it doesn't really matter. What I'm saying is that you can basically be a successful company uh, and not have any scale framework in place because if you imply that you need a scale framework to show direction, then you're most likely probably missed that you should have a common culture, common passion with the company that is not necessarily related to tech, right? So, so, so I believe that by having a clear steering model with a clear passion of where we're going as a company, what we want to do, that can apply to the entire company, how we do things in case of attitude saying that, we need to have trust in each other. We need to think of simple solutions or whatever it could be. Uh, then you're most likely going to manage without adapting to a particular, you know, out of the box model. But Babi, so you trying to say you prefer really strong culture, yeah, in scaling rather than having to use some agile framework. I think so. If you, if you go to that direction of, oh, we need to put that in place, you might like it. Two things. If you don't have the culture, you're probably going to fail mm -hmm. uh, with adding, adapt, adapting to it. And then uh, 
if you are about to do that, then let's maybe go back to what I think Paul said, you know, or Sarah Camille maybe said, why you want to do it? Exactly. What is actually missing here? Mm. Uh, is it is it is it steering? Is it the passion? Is it the clear attitude of how we do things, or is it the necessity of we need to have a process in place? I believe that in order for us to have process routines, you need to have them in order to increase speed or increase you know autonomy, rather than uh, creating a building block or a blocker for the autonomy of the team. Mm. Camille, that one, one last point, Camille. Yeah, we'll yeah, no, it. exactly. I, and I think we touched about that uh, earlier as well. Like, I mean, if you come to the point where the company is starting to grow and the, there are more and more, more teams and you're thinking about, should we have some framework in place? Maybe the answer could be that you should have clusters of uh, of teams. So some people call this domains or be that departments. And maybe that's way of sort of um, having a very close collaboration and close communication with those that matter the most for you so that you can then be autonomous mm -hmm. in this domain but the domain itself maybe is autonomous to the others so that maybe that's a completely different take on that how to create autonomous oh, that was, domains that was that's a different meta. podcast <laughs> that's a different podcast camille yeah this is teams that's not domains um, right i'm conscious of time so let's go to the final question camille um that he tried to answer before but i stopped him hopefully uh camille, camille's question would what would you say is a good balance between a cross-functional team with all the competencies it needs and the size so go on give us a fill, fill the question out what you're thinking here camille yeah i mean uh, if you think about it, uh, there are probably some um, good guidance on what a good team size is. Uh, so the, depending on where you read about it, you would end up on ab about eight people. Um, so at some point you'll need more competences than you can fill with eight seats or you want to go heavy on the number of engineers. And then, then you come to a very difficult decision. Do we become so big as a team maybe 12 13 14 people and then communication becomes really difficult in the team but yes you're autonomous uh, or do you go smaller and then create some codependency to uh, to remain a little bit less autonomous but you can move fast uh, great so question love that you're really pushing people here now yeah so let's go to parallel because i know he's got the question written down and he's ready to go uh, that, that's a very, very good question. And actually, we just went through that discussion in, in one of our groups. Um, and actually, we took both approach. Uh, <laughs> so we, we, we decided to scale it up to the point where we felt like, OK, now it, it's too big. Um, uh, and the reason why it's getting to be is because stand-ups were taking a lot of time. Uh, we were starting to see this where not everyone is working on the same things, and then it's not relevant for everyone to be part of those discussions. And then you start having two planning sessions or two grooming sessions. Uh, and those were the signs where we saw like, okay, now we, we understand where is the threshold? That's a good threshold, but now it's we need to split. Um, but at that moment, we already understand better where we should do the split. Um, what 
is it at an API level? Uh, and then we have this clear contract between teams on how they work together. Or uh, as you were saying, should we split the purchase flow from the post-purchase flow? And then we also have a clear scope. It's, it's, you have this very well-defined boundary. The purchase flow stops here, and then the post-purchase flow starts there. Mm -hmm. um, but we took both approach. So we, we kept growing up to a limit that we felt like, okay, now it's not helping us anymore. Uh, and it's the right time for us to do the split. Um, and I think, I think this is a really good approach. Uh, not saying it works everywhere, but at least for us, it works really well. Because now we also have this team culture. Everyone knows each other. Uh, even though we are now splitting, we clearly understand what they are doing versus what we are doing. Um, and the collaboration continues. Um, even though we are no longer a same team on paper, uh, we still work as a group uh, trying to solve uh, our customer needs. Who, Paola, who made that decision, though? Was it a team decision or did someone above say it? Uh, I would say, uh, I'm not sure if everyone agrees, but I would say it was a team decision. <laughs> But uh, I'm being conscious here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so just putting you But on it was the spot. a team decision. I'll say it was a team decision. It's a team decision. Okay. <laughs> um, right, okay. Babis, what are you thinking? Uh, I th I'm thinking actually just uh, my take on this is similar to what you guys already said. Uh, actually, Leo Vegas, the product and technology teams of Leo Vegas, just actually also recently decided to make that that change going from a uh, cross-functional end-to-end kind of team into more uh, uh, let's call it client and and uh, backend development. Mm -hmm. And one key reason for this was exactly that Le Vegas is becoming a multi-brand company, uh, has acquired a number of companies, and therefore within the same platform, uh, it was impossible, I would say, to say that. A particular casino team is responsible all for all casino development for all our 30 brands, right? Mm -hmm. So so the approach was more of here's autonomy within your particular brand, so to speak, uh, livevegas.com, and then we have a common platform that serves a number of brands. Uh, uh, and of course, naturally, what we as leaders uh, have to do, because we know that by separating the, the product in two, you automatically might lose autonomy and you might lose communication. So the emphasis on clear communication, trust for God's sake, <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, and constant slacking of the people will solve your problem, most likely will make it work. Uh, but you can't have that without making the effort. And again, the reason that we were comfortable of doing this excellent because we have a strong belief in our culture of the way we do things. So, 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 so yeah, uh, and, and to have a point again, uh, and we, as, as you said, Paolo, we're kind of trying this uh, small items, small teams, but also a larger, in a larger scale up organization. Ian? Uh, yeah, um, this is a tough one, you know. Um, I have just a bunch of random thoughts here. Um, I mean, we say teams are holy, missions are not, right? Mm -hmm. So teams are these things that should like live on 
like beyond missions. You want to really like create those that gel that like forms, and so that you know even with some basic turnover in the company, that you always have like these like core seeds and teams that have been kind of around for a while, and they really are passionate about what they're doing, and it's easier to bring in new people into a team, et cetera. So teams are like, you know, they're, they're, you know, we, we see them as living a long time. I think that, you know, thinking about missions can be important here and contributing to this problem. Like if you don't really think about mission scope and things like that, or uh, like uh, what, what this team would, what would be successful for this team to accomplish, to be like, to say, okay, you completed your mission that kind of stuff can actually feed into this problem because then that's, you know, if it's too vague or too broad, like it can be unnecessarily large, like the team can just grow unnecessarily large. Um, so leaders do have a, a choice there to kind of look specifically. Maybe it's, maybe success here is really only on, on, on web, for example, that we're going to focus there. And if, if that's a win, then, you know, let's, let's focus there. Uh, I guess that, you know, it's always hard, though, because like we like, you know, uh, this is a long term thing with teams. Um, what else? I just think um, that. Um, yeah, I don't I'm not really sure. It's a very it's a very difficult balance to get right with the cross functional teams. But I, I one other thought. Um there is this no there there tends to be like this kind of noah's arcification of teams we need two of everything and i think that that is something i'm a little bit like hesitant or like i I'm, i don't really subscribe to and uh and and you know i've heard input where you know oh but if i don't have another ios dev in this team then my code reviews are in another team and it's uh lose i'm losing my autonomy basically is what they're mm -hmm. saying and uh, and I think that 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 I don't agree with. And um, and, you know, that, that all of a sudden you have two of everybody in a team that just creates this huge uh, thing. Uh, I, I, I think the best teams are seven, eight people. Um, and, you know, you can do a lot of damage with seven or eight people. Um, and I agree. I, I know Paulo, like we, we split teams, too. And, I, you know, like there's there's a good, you know, you, you have to do that in, in cases and that, you know, if you do it right, then, and you've learned through that process, then more, that's great. I think that's a great way to do it. But I think generally I want to keep teams to like seven, seven, eight people. I thought you meant like you need a boy and a girl. <laughs> to be honest, what you said. <laughs> no, the Noah's Ark yeah, you just need to buy a girl. Do yeah. you guys, do you guys have that too? The Noah's Arcification? What's, is that, or is that only in, have you heard? Have you ever seen yeah. like that? The uh, we need two of everybody, or yeah. And and know? I'm really happy that you mentioned that because uh, I've been somehow fighting that as well. Where people say, "Oh, but we can't just have one backend developer in this team," and I was like, "Why? Why? Why can't we?" Uh, so it's it just made my day <laughs> that I'm not alone on that. <laughs> But yeah. Camille, Camille, have you got any further points to your kind of question or any comments on what's been said? No, nothing in particular. I think it's uh, very interesting to hear all of your perspectives uh, sort of uh, on size and when you split. Uh, so, yeah, um, very, very interesting. 
Perfect. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining me. I'm going to stop recording uh, now.